Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, June 29th. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. We're looking at a couple of issues with transit on the show. In previous summers, two shuttles helped transport hikers in the high peaks, but one won't be running this summer, and the fate of the other is still up in the air. It's going to be a really inconvenient summer for residents and there you know we could be back to having to tow cars when they're blocking access for safety vehicles elsewhere in the north country a new pilot bus route will be offering weekend service between several towns in st lawrence county and aquasasne plus Bassmaster magazine says the st lawrence river is the second best river to fish for bass in the country county officials say that keeps the region as a national destination for anglers certainly the fishing is premier And if uh, someone like Bassmaster Magazine says so, people are going to believe it. And a new exhibit in Morristown plays tribute to Black Lake. All of that is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by AdirondackExplorer.com and AdirondackAlmanac.com, presenting daily updated news on public policy, environmental issues, and local communities in the Adirondack Park. And by Renew Architecture and Design, offering custom design services from the St. Lawrence River Valley to the Adirondacks. More at RenewArchitecture.com. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. It can be tough this time of year to find parking at some of the busier Adirondack trailheads. There were two shuttle systems for hikers that helped ease those parking problems, but one won't be running this summer, and the fate of the other is still up in the air. Emily Russell explains. For the last two summers, New York State has partnered with Essex County to run a free shuttle for hikers in the Adirondacks. You'd park at Marcy Field in Keene Valley, and the shuttle would take you south along Route 73. You could get off and get picked back up at popular trailheads like the Garden, Roostercombe, and Giant Mountain. Matt Baer works at the Mountaineer, an outdoor shop in Keene Valley. Baer says hikers have already started asking about shuttle options this summer. We got a lot of people coming down here either looking for that shuttle information or just alternative places to park. Parking at the busiest Adirondack trailheads can sometimes fill up by 5 or 6 in the morning this time of year. The High Peak shuttle tried to solve that problem, but not many people ended up riding it. Only about 100 in the first summer and a little over 200 last year. So this summer, the state pulled that shuttle out of rotation, and the state's been pretty quiet about that decision, only mentioning it in a press release about state land management from early June. Bear from the Mountaineer says with confusion over hiker shuttles, he's been pointing folks to other places in the park. We just suggest alternative hikes, like different areas for them to go. Like, I know this was your plan A, but maybe take a look at something a little similar, but kind of in a less populated area. Like Hurricane Mountain near Elizabethtown. That summit has a fire tower, beautiful views, and isn't nearly as crowded as the high peaks. 
There was another shuttle option in the area, which predates the one along Route 73. The town of Keene has run a bus from Marcy Field just up to the garden parking lot and back, a quick five-minute ride. The garden is one of the most popular access points into the high peaks, with trails leading to places like Big Slide and the Brothers. Keene Town Supervisor Joe Pete Wilson says on busy summer weekends, that shuttle up to the garden can see more than 100 people per day. The Keene shuttle is successful because you have no option. If that teeny parking lot at the garden is full, if you want to get up there, you got to ride the shuttle. Keene has run that shuttle from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. on summer weekends in the past. But so far this summer, Wilson says he's struggling to find a certified driver. He's worried about what hikers will do and where they'll park when the garden lot fills up. It's going to be a really inconvenient summer for residents and there you know we could be back to having to tow cars when they're blocking access for safety vehicles if and when the town finds a shuttle driver wilson says they'll resume that route up to the garden there is one shuttle on track to run in the high peaks but not until the fall new york state and essex county will run their shuttle along route 73 when the fall colors are peaking so on weekends from early september to early october wilson says there is demand for that shuttle People want to see things without having to worry about parking and traffic. They'll be able to get off, do a short hike. There'll be educational materials on the van for them. Over two weekends in the fall last year, that leaf-peeping shuttle had about 50 riders. Emily Russell, North Country Public Radio. This weekend will be a big one in Aquasasne. The second annual Aquasasne Art Market and Jurage Show is this Sunday. It'll showcase the work of Mohawk artists and craftspeople and feature performances by Mohawk musicians. And for the first time, there'll be a free bus to get people there. It's the launch of a new pilot bus route that'll run through July between several North Country towns in Aquasasne. Lucy Grindon reports. Rayanne Adams is the community planner for the St. Regis Mohawk tribe. She's the one who reached out to St. Lawrence County to pitch the idea of weekend buses to Aquasasne this summer. We don't have public transportation here. There are buses to Aquasasne on weekdays, but they're run by St. Lawrence County. Aquasasne doesn't have its own public transit system or a fleet of buses that can be redirected to meet community needs. Adam says the main reason she asked the county if they could set up a bus for this summer was to get people up to Aquasasne for events, like Sunday's art market and the Aquasasne farmer's market on Saturdays. Having that as an opportunity to visit and connect our communities, I think that means a lot to our local economy. The bus route, Route 75, will also give people who live in Aquasasne a way to get down to Messina on the weekends if they need to reach places like the Price Chopper. We have a mini mart here in Okwazesmi, which is very convenient, and it's frequented by a lot of community members, but it's not a full-service grocery store. Sonia Jensen from Volunteer Transportation Center designed the new bus route. Any opportunity that we can create to bridge the two communities and support each other is, is valuable and matters. The bus will start in Canton and make stops in Madrid and Messina on its way to Okwazesmi. The stops in Aquasasne are at Twinleaf, the Casino, and Generations Park, as well as the two um, senior and low-income housing units, so Mohawk River Village Apartments and the Iroquois Village Apartments. It'll run back and forth between Aquasasne and Messina throughout the day, before heading back to Canton in the late afternoon. Aquasasne Travel and the Casino are sponsoring the bus route, which means it'll be completely free for riders. Normally, county buses cost $2 to ride. 
Jensen says she hopes the free rides will mean they get an accurate gauge of the demand for the route. So we're hoping to also use this as kind of a trial run for some potential improvements that might be made to the regular Monday through Friday service. Um, and then also see if maybe if there's enough demand, maybe it's worth sustaining a weekend service. The pilot bus route will take people to the art fair on Sunday, July 2nd, and then run on every following Saturday in July. Lucy Grindon, North Country Public Radio. The Jefferson County Public Health Department has issued an overdose warning. The department said four drug overdoses occurred in the county within a 24-hour period earlier this week. In a press release, the department said the suspected substance in all four overdoses was heroin mixed with fentanyl. None of the overdoses were fatal. Of the 12 overdose deaths that have occurred in Jefferson County this year, fentanyl was caused has caused nine. The public health department says people using substances like marijuana, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, and xylazine should know that no drug is safe. Any drug could be laced with deadly amounts of fentanyl. And if you think someone may be having an overdose, call 911. The state's Good Samaritan law protects people who call 911 to report overdoses so you won't get in trouble for any drug-related offense. The latest poll from the Siena Research Institute shows that voters in New York State oppose using SUNY dorms to temporarily house new migrants. Breaking that down among political parties, that plan is opposed by more than three-quarters of Republicans and a majority of independents, while Democrats are evenly divided. Regarding Governor Kathy Hochul standing with voters, pollster Steve Greenberg says New Yorkers are evenly divided with 42 percent reviewing, excuse me, with 42 percent viewing Hochul favorably and 43 percent unfavorably. But he says those numbers were a little better last month. In terms of her job approval, right now it remains above water. 48 percent of New Yorkers approve of the job that Hochul's doing as governor. 44 percent disapprove. Down a couple points from last month when it was 50 to 44 in terms of approval. The Siena poll also shows New York voters give both houses of the state legislature more favorable marks than unfavorable, but not by much. The assembly had a favorability rating of 38 to 36 percent, and the Senate had a favorability rating of 41 percent positive to 38 percent negative. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's 11 minutes past 8. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, Todd will take a look at the air quality in the region today. Plus, we'll preview a new exhibit at the Morristown Gateway Museum that celebrates the history of Black Lake. The Small Fish Life and Leisure on Black Lake exhibit opens this afternoon. We've got a preview coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Music by B Children, based in Canton. You can find more of the group's music on our website, part of the Underscore Project at ncpr.org slash underscore.
Northern Light is supported by Gray and Gray and Associates, CPAs and accounting and financial services firm in northern New York with offices in Canton, Potsdam, and Spring Hill, Florida. GrayCPAS.com. And NCPR's fiscal year wraps up tomorrow. And we'd love to hear from new donors. If you've never given before, consider making a contribution today. Support the music, the news, the information you depend on every day. It's easy. Go to our website, ncpr.org slash give. Thanks. The St. Lawrence River is the second best river to fish for bass in the United States. That's according to Bassmaster Magazine's 2023 rankings. The St. Lawrence was actually bumped from the top spot by O.H. Ivy Lake in Texas. And the designation keeps the region as a destination for professional and amateur anglers nationwide. That was the plan when St. Lawrence County started investing money into marketing the St. Lawrence as Fishing Capital of the World, or FishCap. St. Lawrence Chamber of Commerce Tourism Director Brooke Rouse spoke with David Summerstein. For us, being in a rural area at the top of New York State, where people, a lot of people don't even know this part of the state exists, one of our biggest goals is to make sure people know that we exist, and it's really a special place up here for a lot of things, um, but certainly the fishing is premier, and if uh, someone like Bassmaster Magazine says so, people are, are going to believe it. And uh, when we have these tournaments that bring professional anglers from all over the country and sometimes beyond, uh, then clearly it's good enough for the pros. Uh, it's It must be something special for others to come fish here. So the county chamber and the county itself has spent a lot of time and also invested a lot of money in promoting that you know, come to St. Lawrence County for fishing. Um, How has that, you know, transformed or, you know, led to more people coming here, more people spending money here? We've seen increase in the industry and the county as a destination. Uh, Vacation rentals, for example, have uh, doubled year over year, really, for the last five years. A lot of that increase has been along the river. Um, And for a rural destination, again, Vacation rentals can be a really good option for lodging. Um, we like to have a mix of hotels, motels, vacation rentals, so it's good to see that trend. Um, we've seen uh, occupancy tax go up, which is a reflection of bookings, so so that's great. That's been going up year over year. St. Lawrence County has been on the map for a number of years with Bassmaster and with other, you know, Bass and other angler organizations and CARB for sure as well. Um, what do you hope that this, you know, this next designation of, you know, number top 10 places in the United States for bass fishing, you know, where do you hope that takes you next? By having that recognition, it, you know, it keeps us on the map. It keeps us in the forefront. It also keeps uh, folks who are avid anglers or looking to develop in in a good fishery, whether it's a, a lodging property or a store or something like that, that they know this is a destination for fishing. That's where they want to be. Um, and it, it also entices tournaments and other events to come be on this river because they know that anglers will have a premier experience. Uh, and so it's, it's keeping top of mind in the media and it's um, creating opportunities for economic development. I think the next step in 
leveraging this, which was in the original fish cap plan, was really to focus on attracting development to these communities uh, to support the fishery and to support the anglers who are coming, whether they're professional anglers or, or family anglers who want to get on the water. And we've seen some of that investment also, um, nicer green spaces along the river, nicer boat launches, nicer infrastructure like lighting and utilities, restrooms, things like that. All of that supports locals' ability to enjoy the river, but it also invests in a greater ability for people to fish and enjoy the river. Brooke Rouse is Director of Tourism for the St. Lawrence County Chamber of Commerce. She spoke with David Summerstein. The St. Lawrence River hosts the St. Croix Bassmaster Open in Waddington, July 20th through the 22nd. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, a St. Lawrence River community pays tribute to its nearby lake. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. There are air quality alerts in effect for much of our region today. Uh, airnow.gov is a really good website to go to for exact information regarding air quality, particulates, the the uh, uh, bad air, smoky, hazy air moving down into our region from Canada, from those wildfires. Right now, it looks like the uh, some of the worst air quality is along the uh, western edge of our listening area, moving to the east, so communities like Kingston, and Brockville, Watertown, Syracuse, Fort Drum are in the red zone, uh, meaning that you should limit your outdoor activity today. And then it moves to the orange zone for places like the St. Lawrence Valley, the Central Adirondacks, yellow and green, meaning a little better air toward the Champlain Valley and into Vermont. But it's changing hour to hour. So if you want exact information for your community regarding uh, fire and smoke air, uh, smoky Air, you can check it out. Uh, it's airnow.gov and use your zip code to get the information for where you live. Partly cloudy skies in the forecast today. Highs around 80 this afternoon. Winds out of the south-southwest. Highs in the 80s tomorrow and uh, some scattered showers at this point for the weekend. Black Lake is a long, shallow water body that sits just south of the St. Lawrence River in St. Lawrence County. It's adjacent to Hammond, Hubleton, Morristown, and Ogdensburg. With 60 miles of shoreline, lots of small islands, bays, and weed beds, it's popular year-round with anglers and birders. But did you know that a century ago, an entrepreneur with the backing of a Spanish nobleman wanted to harvest peat from the lake as a source of fuel. Some promoters came to town in Ogdensburg, and they got the Ogdensburg Board of Trade on board and said they had this new um, scientifically proven method of mining peat and then compressing it and heating it to dry it and making it into briquettes that could be used as fuel. 
And they also, I don't know if it was the briquettes, or they also promised you could get gas out of this process. Um, but the Board of Trade got excited about it. We had visions of a steel mill run on peat <laughs> in Ogdensburg, and they even bought land to put the steel mill on. That's Hallie Bond, the curator of a new exhibit at the Morristown Gateway Museum that opens today. It's called The Small Fish, Life and Leisure on Black Lake. That peat venture from a century ago, it floundered. But Bond, who curated boat exhibits at the Adirondack Experience in Blue Mountain Lake for 30 years, says boating, fishing, farming, and tourism are some of the successes on Black Lake. I did an exhibit a couple of years ago about commercial fishing out of Morristown on the river, and we called it the big fish because it was about sturgeon and muskie fishing, which are big. Uh, we kind of tongue-in-cheek decided to call this one the small fish because Black Lake is known for its panfish yeah. and, and smaller species. So the small fish, life and leisure on Black Lake, because it goes beyond fishing. We're talking also about what really interests me is the people who live here and how they've used the natural resource for fun and profit. (laughs) We're standing next to this vintage ice boat, uh, which is really cool. Looks a bit homemade, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is a great example of ice boating comes to the masses. Um, it's a, a DN model, which was came out of a contest run by the Detroit News in the 30s, which is why they call it a DN. Uh, and it really caught on because it's easily built at home. You know, you get the, the plans and popular mechanics. And they're loads of fun. They're just a solo boat. Um, and... It's the most popular ice boat class in the country today, still. And people like Hubert Richardson, who was a dairy farmer in Black Lake area, thought, wouldn't it be fun? (laughs) So he built one. He also um, added, I think probably the sail blew out, and what we have now is something that looks like it was made from an old army tent. (laughs) And these things are wild. I mean, they go faster. You can sail faster than the wind is blowing on an ice boat like this. So we, there were farmers, and, yeah. and then eventually there were, what, cabins built along the shores? Yeah, yeah interestingly, yeah, for a thriving farm community here. You know, um, before the Civil War, this area was producing wheat. As the Erie Canal business kicked in and wheat was developed, um, wheat lands out in Genesee County and that area, and then, of course, farther west, people here went to dairying and produced lots of cheese. And we focus a little bit on cheese in this exhibit too. But and there was a st- and they're all around La- uh, Black Lake, which provides a good highway to get their goods to market. Um, there were some roads, but it was easy to do that. There was actually a big steamboat around the turn of the century that um, had a, che- a regular cheese run because there were a bunch of cheese. A cheese tractors. boat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> to pick up all these cheeses, and then of course. Like everywhere else, consolidation killed all the little cheese factories. And you get bigger ones like McAdam, which was founded in Hubleton, which is part of our area. Um, and, of course, it's not even there anymore. Yeah. But, but yeah, so, they, so these farm, there were farmers living here, and they were pulling fish out of the lake to eat and pulling fish out of the lake for fun, winter and summer. Um, and the tourist industry, the post-Civil War area, really was thriving up here on the river, but it wasn't so easy to get to there. No railroad station closer than Hammond. So it was the era of the automobile after the Second World War, 
when Black Lake really boomed. Although there were people, like you say, there were farmers who put up a few cottages. The first one guy we talk about here is um, M.L. McLear, who had a Jersey dairy. He actually bought a few little cottages somewhere and skidded them over the ice and put them up on the shore on his farm and started running them out. And that, that of course, became the business of today, is having these lakeshore properties. And, and a lot of these cottage colonies, and that, that's still still the main economy here. Chris Coffin is a longtime member of the Morristown Gateway Museum's board and remembers his grandfather's stories of fishing on Black Lake. The museum has decided that one way to tell the story about Morristown and the North Country in general is to focus in on fishing. And there are two sides of the township of Morristown One's bordered by the St. Lawrence River, and the other is bordered by Black Lake. So we have a lot of fishing in the history of Morristown. Black Lake is a place where there's more uh, panfish that people go after than, let's say, the sturgeon and the muskie that we connected with the St. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. You'll find some of both in each place. One of the things that uh, will be in the exhibit is a cluster of small uh, taxidermied fish. Probably the premier person who who taxidermies fish in this area is Larry Vielhauer. And Larry lives in Ogdensburg and really is a master of this art. And so we have a number of fish that exemplify fishing in Black Lake. And in the Black Lake area... We're tracking and have some exhibits that show the way that that end of Morristown shifted from uh, farms along the river to, well, the farmers might put a couple cabins in there and let somebody go fishing, rent the cabin, and then it's reached the point where they're not farming the land on the uh, shoreline of the lake anymore because now it's all... The tourism and cottages and summer uh, dwellers. What, if you, what did you learn about the, putting this exhibit together? Was there something that, whether it was the um, early explorers or some of the innovative ideas uh, around the lake? Well, kind of- I'm familiar with Black Lake as a place where people have cottages and homes. And I know that there are colonies of cabins that are you know, uh, rented by the week for vacationers. I thought the cottages and the homes came first, but that's not the case. The farmers developed the the, uh, rental property, and that became popular before the summer cottages and the seasonal dwellers started buying property there. Mm. And I thought, well, that's an interesting sequence. You know, it's a, a different from the way it was on some of the other lakes in the Adirondacks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Black Lake really draws people from a wide area. Uh, I've seen mailing addresses for homeowners, Pennsylvania, Ohio. You know, I think that maybe that lake is more treasured outside St. Lawrence County than it is in St. Lawrence County. Chris Coffin and Hallie Bond are some of the folks who helped organize and install the small fish, life and leisure on Black Lake at the Morristown Gateway Museum. There's a grand opening of the exhibit 
this afternoon from 4 to 6. Again, that's at the Morristown Gateway Museum. Stop by for the opening of the exhibit this afternoon from 4 to 6. There's a sign up on your door. Pops, don't blab it around, will you? Gone fishing. Keep it shady. I got me a big one staked out. Mm, you ain't working anymore. I don't have to work. I got me a piece of Gary. Cows need milking in the barn. I have the twins on that detail each. Take a side. But you just don't give a darn. Give four bits of cow and hand lotion. You just never seem to learn. Man, you taught me. You ain't got no ambition. You're convincing. Gone fishing. Got your hound dog by your side. That's old Cindy Lou going with me. Gone fishing. Mm-hmm. Fleas are biting at his hide. Get away from me, boys. You're bothering me. Folks won't find us now because Mr. Satch and Mr. Cross. We gone fishing. Instead of just a wishing Oh, yeah Louis Armstrong and Bing Crosby gone fishing Time now is 29 minutes past Eight and uh, well, that that'll do it for Northern Light on this Thursday morning. Yes, and I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you that NCPR's fiscal year wraps up tomorrow, and we would love to hear from you, especially new donors. If you've never given before, consider making a contribution today. You'll support the music, the conversation, the news, the issues, the information that you rely on every day here on North Country Public Radio. Our community is such a special place, and you make it that way, and we appreciate it. Give now to support NCPR. It's easy. Go to ncpr.org slash give, and thank you so much for your support. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Mello. Thanks for joining us. Be well.